Hi, I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And welcome to Generation BSC, where we dive into each of the books in the Babysitter's Club series and talk about them, dissect them, love them, laugh at them, <laughs> um, and really take a look at how they shaped us as part of our micro-generation. Yes. Um, so this week, we are up to Logan Likes Marianne. You didn't say that with nearly enough excitement since it has an exclamation point at the end. You're right. <laughs> I leaned into the ooh, ooh, but the book is really Logan Likes Marianne. Exactly. I, I stand corrected. Well, let's dive right in and find out what this one is about um, from the back of the book. First of all, um, Logan Likes Marianne exclamation point, yes. was um, released February 1988, so just in time for Valentine's exactly. Day. Um, this is still, we're still firmly in the Anna Martin phase, and so let's see what it says. <clears throat> it used to be that Marianne had to wear her hair in braids and ask her dad before she did anything, but not anymore. Marianne's been growing up, and the Babysitter's Club aren't the only ones who've noticed. Logan Bruno likes Marianne, exclamation point. He has a dreamy southern accent. He's awfully cute. And he wants to join the Babysitter's Club. The Babysitters aren't sure Logan will make a good club member. And Marianne thinks she's too shy for Logan. Um, cause kinda. <clears throat> Sorry, editor's commentary. Uh, life in the Babysitter's Club has never been this complicated or this fun. Not, not entirely th- inaccurate, but also not entirely accurate. Once again, m- less... Inaccuracy, more hyperbole. Yes. So compared to others where it's just patently wrong, we're pretty close. It's overblown, but we're... Yes. Although he doesn't really want to join the Babysitter's Club. That's fair. I mean, like, even when he... And we'll obviously get into this in more detail, but, like, even when he's like, I'm a babysitter... And they're like, oh, come to our meeting. You could join. Even then he's sort of like, uh, That's true. sure. <laughs> he is a little, he's a little wary from the, from the jump. Yes. All right. So then as is your duty <laughs> to us all, tell us what really happened, Kate. I will do that. Um, okay. So the Babysitter's Club generally in this book, um, as with the last book, there's not much sort of general plot in this one. Um, Eighth grade has started. The girls go back to school. Christy has a great idea to advertise the uh, upcoming PTA meeting at the beginning of the school year, uh, which is maybe a little too great of an idea because they are inundated with new families hiring them to babysit, and they're completely maxed out. So they're overwhelmed discussing what to do at lunch, and Logan Bruno, who just moved to Stony Brook for this school year from Louisville, Kentucky, overhears and offers his services because he is a boy babysitter. Shocking. So he comes to a, a babysitter's club meeting to see how it works, and he gets a trial job with the Rudowski family, only babysitting Jackie Rudowski, even though Jackie has two brothers, but they're not there. But so Christy wants Jackie's, Marianne. Jackie's plenty of work. It, yes. We will get into that as well. But so Christy has to make sure that someone goes to, uh, you know, make sure that he actually knows what he's doing. And, Which is so, such a hilarious image to me. Yes. I, well, and... We'll also discuss yeah. this, but it's like, how did, like, what did they even say to Mrs. Rudowski? Like, we're going to send two babysitters. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Marianne goes to the babysitting club job with him. Things go well, and the babysitters club hesitantly asks Logan to join. But Marianne has her own great idea by the end of the episode, and he ends up joining as an associate member, meaning that he doesn't come to meetings, but he's available to take on jobs when they get overwhelmed again. Um, so... 
Stacy throws the first boy-girl party of the school year, and the Babysitter's Club plans a surprise cake and presents for uh, at the party for Marianne's 13th birthday, which doesn't go well. No, to, to, to put it mildly. Yes. So um, the Marianne-specific part of the story, uh, Marianne gets a huge crush on Logan Bruno because he looks exactly like her celebrity crush, Cam Geary. Um, but her shyness keeps getting in the way. Luckily, Logan has a huge crush on her, too, and doesn't let her shyness stop him. They go to a dance together, and Marianne invites Logan as her date to Stacy's party. Over the course of the book, they get to know each other, particularly at the party where Marianne finally lets down her walls and opens up and acts like a normal human instead of clamming up and not talking to him at all. Um, so, But Marianne reacts really poorly to being the center of attention at the party when they bring out the surprise birthday cake and runs out back to her house across the street. So Marianne works things out with everyone after that, and she also tells her dad that she wants a cat, which he agrees to. Logan goes with Marianne to the shelter to pick out the cat, and she brings home a gray kitten that she names Tigger. Oh my goodness. So, it was an action-packed so much happening couple for of our months girl Marianne. In the babysitter's club. Um, so I want to do, I do, before we start digging into the plot entirely, did you read the... Um, electronic version as well like the letter in the back I of the book. actually did not read it this time. Okay, so um really interestingly, you know, my timeline obsession. So I um noted in this one, okay, we're back to school. Here's where things are going to get really like wild timeline wise. Mm-hmm. Um and then we've also been discussing a little bit over the last couple of books about how it felt a little bit wheel spinny and like yeah. setters. And this one I was really struck as we were going through. I was like, wow, they're basically like Here's what everything that happened up yeah, to this point. There's a big like plot dump or like recap yeah. of like everything that's happened over the summer. Like here's and, what happened to each of the girls. And then even later, like they mentioned Claudia and the Phantom phone calls. And yeah, then they mentioned there's like, callbacks, there's callbacks sure. to different things. And it felt very much like a, okay, those other ones were kind of the prequels. Mm-hmm. We were kind of figuring out what it is. This felt like season two of a show, yes. right? Where, like, season one, they kind of ran out of... You got the like, characters figured out. Everyone's where they're supposed to be. And now we can go with, like, the real story. And kind of similar to, like, Parks and Rec when I'm, like, telling people, <laughs> you don't really need to watch. Se- season one has its charms. Eh. Yeah. It's, it's, you could probably skip it, But you could totally <laughs> skip it and, and know what's going on. Right. And the show knows that, too, and sort of, like, explains again who things right. are in dynamics and maybe a more subtle way that happens right. in this book. <laughs> right. But it's very clearly the same type of thing. Okay, we got this figured out. Here's season two. So then I get to the end of the book, um, and at the end of all the electronic versions, there's a letter from Anna Martin. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned yeah. some things from those a couple of times. Um, but it's in the back of everyone. And the last um, – it's all about, you know, Logan and falling in love. But she ends by saying – it was while I was writing this book that I realized a year had passed in the lives of the BSC characters. Marianne was the last of the original members to turn 13, and the series was still going strong. So my editors and I decided that the characters would remain this age. Looking back now, I realized this was a good decision. If the girls had continued to get older, they would be college graduates now, or college graduates by now. Instead, they're in middle school forever. Mm-hmm. So that was a very, I really didn't, genuinely didn't know that it was a conscious decision oh um i was thinking it was like they just kept writing them and they kept being like oh um never mind let's drag this out a little bit longer like do you remember the first season of dawson's creek was supposed to be like the whole school year and then they came back and they're like just kidding it's a second semester again um, i don't i think that was a conscious choice too 
I don't know. It, I mean, it wasn't like the end of the school year, and then they were just like, surprise, it's not the end of the school year. That's how I remember it. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. Yeah. Or maybe it wasn't Dawson's Creek. Maybe it was something else. But in in any case, um, it it makes me feel a little bit better. I mean, so it's still going to be fun to see how long yes. they're in eternal eighth graders. But well, because then there definitely are, like, like I know for sure my favorite book th- is 38, Christie's Mystery Admirer. There's a Halloween dance in that. That is almost 30 books from now and yeah. we're basically through September in this book. So it's like how uh, that's where I mean it, even though they did make the conscious choice to have these books stay in 8th grade and they're 13 yeah. like they clearly didn't think it through that well because fair enough because yes. unless I mean unless they're not supposed to be chronological when we're reading them which which is possible. I mean, I guess maybe we'll get into that too, but like, but there's more development over, or like reference to things that have happened previously than I expected from them so far. Well, I'm, what I mean is like from here, like oh, we've started gotcha. eighth grade. We know that all of the rest of the books are in eighth grade, but we, I also know that there's a Halloween dance in 30 books. So it can't necessarily be chronological because you're right. Cause we're, cause we're already like at the end of September. September. You're right. So, so it, the next five weeks take thirty books, right? Fair enough. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I see what you mean. Like to the from now on, yeah, as a season two thing, right? Exactly. Got it. Okay, that makes total sense. That'll be interesting. It's gonna yeah. be fun to to see how that all comes together. Yes. But I, it was such an I was like, well, oh, okay, good moment. I just figured that they were. I, just kept writing them and then kept being like, too far back to let's let's back it up right, to September right. again. Um. Yeah. Well, well and speaking of things being in the books, my this I think is the first book that I bought new, well not new to me, uh-huh. that had anything like written in it. Oh. So it's only a name, but it's it's Betsy Lynn, B E T S E Y no space capital L I N. The condition of this book, I don't think that Betsy Lynn ever actually <laughs> did anything aside from write her name in it because Got it. As, no and maybe it's just because I I like books, and I I don't feel like they have to be kept pristine. Yeah, like, I'm with you. I'm I'm fine with cracking the spine of my book. So I, maybe I'm just like I'm the monster I'm that dog pages. Yeah, like I'm I'm just projecting maybe on Betsy Lynn. Maybe she's one of those people that's like I'm gonna hold it perfectly and not set it down. Yeah, uh, you know, upside down, open, and like keep it all perfect. But I'm like. It, I mean, it's, like, pristine. Well, Betsy Lynn, <laughs> if you are listening, thank you for taking yes. such good care thank of your Thank you things. for taking care of your book and for donating it or wherever it came from that it got on eBay and then came w- to me. wound up in my in my lap. Yes. And maybe it was Betsy Lynn's whole lot. That's possible. Who knows? I but, would expect more of them to have the, Betsy Lynn written in it if they were all Betsy Lynn's books. Fair but. enough. But I wasn't always – well, I guess I, just one is less likely. Yes. Um. Because I, w- I was going to say I wasn't always consistent, but it was more than just Right. It wasn't them. like you just wrote Lauren in one yeah. book and that was it. And but. I'm totally lying. Of course I was super consistent. I tried to have a library and my mom got me like the stamper and the cards and everything. Oh, boy. Um, it didn't – that was one of my great ideas that didn't really go anywhere. Um, That's fair. But I do love to like share books and I love to – and movies and things. Like mm-hmm. if I love something, I want other people to love it. So there have been – Many times over the years where I have given away things and not gotten them back. Um, So I'm I'm pretty sure that was the driver of the library less than, well, also wanting to be a librarian. Right. um, And organization was just too much fun. Um, (laughs) But it was primarily, I was like, I want my shit back, people. I need to know where this went and how I can get it back. Yeah. 
Because I'm not great at that. I just am like, oh, it's excited. Here, yeah. have this. And then, um, yeah. Like, there, I, there are definitely movies and television series that I've purchased multiple times. Yeah. Because they have They go out into the world and never, never come return. back. Lost, in particular, is one. I think I bought, like, three Which different times. Which is ironic. Okay, <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, so back on track with um, Marianne. So I've got to admit, I, as I started reading this, more and more of this one was coming back to me mm-hmm. because I was, am still very much a, a romance girl. So yes. any ones with the romance, I was way here for as a kid. Um, but I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't like Marianne very much. Like, as a kid, I had very little empathy for her. Mm. She just sort of annoyed me. I was like, come on, you big baby. Like, run away from your party. They were trying to do something nice for you. The whole shoe thing really drove me nuts as a, as a kid. I remember yes. this vividly now. So, she, um, Logan asks her to the, first of all, remember September dance. Right. It's, what? It is September. What are you remembering? <laughs> are we remembering a particular September? Are we remembering... I mean, it was a middle school dance. I'm. They didn't really put too much thought. Yeah, in it was it. like we're just gonna have a dance, and oh, it's in September. So, uh, remember, remember September. September. Could have called it a Guy Fox dance and like set off fireworks. Well, but... that would be November. Oh, you're right. November. So... <laughs> wow, I'm not remembering much of anything. No. Um, the thing that well, oh, let's talk about the the dance thing and kicking her shoe yes. because you started on that, and then I will tell you the thing that like visceral reaction From remembrance you. for me reading okay. this book. Um. So, yes. So, uh, Logan asks her to this Remember September dance, and she is thrilled, and the girls take her, um, I'm sure we'll dig into the actual fashion choices later. Oh, but we will. Um, Take her to get an outfit, and she's got this whole, she's she's there, she's actually having fun with them, is loosening up a little bit, um, and she's not much of a dancer, so she's following his dance moves, and he realizes this, and it becomes like... Act like a monkey, yeah. like be super a, cute, be adorable, um, like very pure thirteen-year-old like love stuff. It's adorable. Yes, until um, she tries to kick like a rocket, um, specifically, and her she's wearing slides and they go fly. The one shoe goes flying. Yes, doesn't hurt anybody. Doesn't it, hit it like anybody. hits the wall. Yeah, and but people saw and they laughed. And she then proceeds to pout in the most obvious way the entire rest. That's what it was. It felt performative to me. Like, I'm going to go sit on the bench. And I'm going to keep making you come over right. to me. And, like, are you okay? Are you okay? And then refuse to come down. Like, if it was really that bad, do what you do at the party and just go home. Get the fuck out. But this whole, like, I, that that bothers me. when I feel like... As a Marianne when I was a kid, I don't think that it was being performative. I think if she had had the option to run home, she would have. But Fair. her dad dropped all of them off. You're right. Stacy's dad was coming back. She knew she couldn't just, you know, it's it was, they got dropped off at like 7.30. So like, you're right. And she, she wouldn't, did, she, her dad would have been furious if she just showed up at home. That's fair. And she did say, I kept looking at my watch, like just praying for it to be 9.30 right. so I could leave. Okay. Fair enough. Yes. That's, uh, I don't, uh, I, I, again, have so much more empathy in my heart for mm-hmm. her now. Um, that was I, the visceral part for me. Like, I remember as a kid being like, they're just doing that for attention. Um, which probably says a lot more about me that because that's something, I, like, attention would be something I would right. want. If you were doing that, it would be, be because for, you wanted people to, like, come over and ask you how you were and be like, no, I'm fine, go away. Like, Yes, exactly. At that age, 100%. Right. 
bring on the drama. Thank you. Right. So you're um, you're looking at it from your perspective, whereas like I, because I was I did more identify with Marianne. I was I was looking at it as like I totally understand where she's coming from. Like 100%. she's embarrassed. She doesn't want people laughing at her, paying attention to her. So she's just gonna go like hide at the top of the bleachers, and everyone else can keep having fun. But like I don't I don't want anyone to pay attention to me anymore. And it's just so funny because I had the weirdest. It was such a weird dichotomy of emotions that was happening because I was having the visceral memory of mm-hmm. how I felt as a kid and then now as as oh, I like to think a more evolved <laughs> grown up having empathy for her but right. also then then actually I throw in a third thing that was happening <laughs> where I was retroactively feeling shitty about how I behaved <laughs> how as, a child, as a child as a kid and I'm and then proud of myself for having like <laughs> done the emotional work to have moved on past that. So there was a whole... You, you had a lot of things going on I in your brain. Yeah, it was a big... It was more emotional for me than I really, like, yeah, anticipated picking up. And again, most of that had nothing to do with the right. plot. It was not the book itself. It, it was just about... and But that's what this podcast is about, too, how it right. affected us and how we've grown and changed and view them differently yes. through a different lens now. And now I have much more space for... Um, for that type of, but as a kid, I think part of the problem with, with practicing empathy as a kid is it's much harder for you to take yourself out of your own experience. Right. Um, and that's all empathy really is, is you're never, ever going to be able to see something through someone else's perspective just because you don't have their worldview, their backstory, their history, whatever, that whole idea of walking a mile in someone else's shoes, it it doesn't really work because you can try, but like you can't actually know exactly you can what know how you would feel right. under in their circumstances but you can't know how they would be feeling but you can try and that's right. all anybody it, can exactly. do it's just trying and um i need to give myself some space as a i know that as an adult and right and there are plenty of adults who don't know that i mean that's look at twitter um so <laughs> i get it i get to give myself some space for not being able to practice that kind of empathy as a six and seven year old when I was reading these books. Right. Like, exactly. That's really, again, I keep forgetting that I was so much younger than the girls in the books when mm-hmm. I was actually engaging with them, where I keep putting myself into, it was, I was 13 right. or 14, but I wasn't. I was six to eight, maybe nine. Um, so that's been, that's been really fascinating for me as well. I don't know if you were getting quite as, um, like, therapy feels from it but i i think probably not so much from this one at least just because i i remember identifying with marianne as a kid and so i would i i could understand what she was feeling and what she was going through because it was maybe not exactly the same but i was much closer to her situation even as a younger kid like i still understood why she was acting the way that she was so this one i was not having quite the same like like digging therapy emotional response but (laughs) Um, um, so actually, um, you saying that about, about being close to her and, and feeling more like that, um, at that age, I can't imagine, um, knowing you now that you were ever that extreme to that level of like fear. I wonder how much of that was intentional to make her the most extreme version of it. Mm-hmm. If that, if that makes shy girls feel a little bit better, like, right. Cause I'm not quite like, I'm not as bad as, yeah. not that it's bad to be shy, but like. I'm not all the way at that end of the spectrum of shyness versus, you know, outgoingness. But yeah, to make it more reassuring. Like, yes, I may be really shy and I may be uncomfortable, but it's not that bad. Yeah. And it would I help think, you feel I think empathy that, for her. I think that sort of flows through 
for the rest of the characters. Like, they're all extreme versions of whatever they are. You know, Christy, you know, we use the word bossy a lot. You know, they use the word bossy a lot. But, like, she's the bossy character, if we're going to use that. But, like, she is an extreme version of that. You know, you're absolutely right. Kids, you know, young girls, young boys, like they, everybody has these attributes in different amounts, but like most kids that are, you know, quote unquote bossy are not like Christy. They're not yeah. to that degree. You're absolutely right. And cause I, I was, like I said, that was on every report card. That was one of the biggest complaints, but I wasn't like to that extreme right. where kids like, were right. feared me or something. Right. Exactly. So oh, it, I say that again. You, but you don't know. Cliffwood Court kids, anybody <laughs> listening? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but it's like any of these, and I think Marianne and Christy are probably the most extreme examples. Although I guess you could also look at Claudia as like someone who doesn't focus in school and doesn't think about, you know, caring about spelling. And so someone that maybe is similar to that reading these books could think, well, I'm not as bad as Claudia. And, and they can see my guess, and obviously I was a very big like nerd in school like yeah. I did all my homework I read all the time so I I don't and I think that maybe is for me I have similar reactions that you have to Marianne that I have similar reactions to Claudia that you have to Marianne because I remember thinking like how do you not know how to spell that and I know yeah. even when we've been talking about Claudia even now I still have to like check myself because I do get into that space because it's still like why can't you just do your homework <laughs> which which also, I get to right so so I but I think like so, but kids that are like, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do my homework. I want to, you know, do my art or play baseball or whatever. Like they can look at Claudia and say, well, I'm, I'm like Claudia, but like, I'm not as bad as Claudia. Or like they have the similar reactions that I have to Claudia because it's like, come on, Claudia. Like, I know I'm like this, but like, you're so crazy about this. Like, just do your homework. And then maybe they like internalize that about themselves. And, and I think especially with Claudia and that idea of it's a really they're very clear to identify that it doesn't mean she's stupid. Right. And like, that's got to be real assuring for Mm -hmm. a kid because a lot of, especially back in this time, a lot of the messaging was if you didn't do well in school, I mean, we weren't far off from dunce caps. It was not nearly the level of support and, um, understanding that's placed around like learning disabilities and any sort of, I mean, I just think of kids in my class who acted out and got literally sent to the kindergarten classroom while we were in like eighth grade. Oh boy. Um, yeah. Private schools, man. They do some weird shit. shit. <laughs> well, and first of all, that backfired hideously because an ADD 14 year old got to go play with five year olds all day instead of having to sit and listen to history. Right. So of course, then the behavior became, well, I'm just going to yeah, act I out because I, I want to go, go back and... color and play yeah. and take a nap. <laughs> exactly. I, Hell, that sounds great now. Right, exactly. How I, uh... Like, how can I act out at work and get to do that? <laughs> can, can you send, send me to the daycare? <laughs> yeah, send me to daycare, please. Um, but it's got to be uh, reassuring, man. So all I, I, all I can just think now is, fuck, representation matters, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I really, that's something that um, has really become an evolving knowledge for me mm-hmm. over the past 15, 20 years. It's, it's been a slow. Um, I mean, I've always understood that more, why more diversity, I I always thought more diversity was a good thing. I wanted to see more stories. I wanted to see more things. Um, but I didn't really realize how important it was for other groups. Right. For people that didn't see themselves. Yes. Yeah. Because we, obviously we are part of the groups that are more represented to, to varying degrees between the two of us. But, um, yeah, so it's easy to sort of forget that 
while we both understand more diversity is better, seeing more stories is better, it doesn't impact us the same way that it would impact someone who hasn't ever seen themselves on a movie screen or a TV screen or in a book or wherever. Exactly. So it, yeah, and yet it's I'm being more and more conscious of when I get excited to really see something of myself on the screen, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that happens for me a lot and I still get excited. Right. How much it must mean to little girl. Like uh, I was thinking about it this week because um, we're placing ourselves in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Chrissy Teigen super fan and she had posted the pictures of Luna meeting Misty Copeland mm-hmm. after the Nutcracker. And it, it was. It really made me think of yeah. a lot of these topics that we've been talking about with Babysitters Club about seeing yourself right in something. It's it's aspirational. It whether you know it or not, it makes something click in your brain that I could, I could be do this. that. Too. I could be that person. Um, if someone else did it, it's much much harder for people to be the first at something. Right. Yeah. It's it's easier to have that dream when you know that someone else has done it first because it doesn't feel as impossible. Right. It feels, it feels like it could be achieved. Even obviously the first person has to do it and it is achievable because they do it, but, and those people are incredible, but I will be honest, I'm not that type of person. Right. I'm never going to be someone who's going to be like, if I don't see the example, I, there's no way that I'm going to be like, Oh, I could do X. Like, no, I couldn't. (laughs) Nor do I want to be like, there's this cult of achievement especially in Western culture, especially in the United States, that, like, if you aren't striving to be a CEO or, Mm -hmm. like, have the most money, then you're lazy and unmotivated. And I have been having a lot of conversations with myself over the last couple of years about what do I want my life to actually look like? Mm -hmm. And there is basically, like, two different ways I could um, shape my career. One is focusing on HR. One is focusing on training. Training has a cap. HR has more of a upward mobility and I'm like I don't care about the upward mobility I want to care about doing what I love doing what you're doing which is very different than how I used to be and I think a large part of it is I don't know if I really used to be that way or is if that's what we're sort of conditioned right you just internalize the you know society telling you this is what you should do and I feel like that that's a lot of um a lot of that of my view of how I see the world comes from these books. Mm -hmm. Like I just think of, I identified so strongly with Christy and Christy was always the one who wanted to be in charge, who had the great ideas, Mm -hmm. who liked control. And I recognized myself in that character, which led me to believe I needed to be that way in a career base. Right. Because I'm not saying, and now I no longer feel the need to be in control in situations. That is, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Yes. Kate's laughing. No, that's, that's bullshit. That's just who I am as a person. Right. But I don't want to be, in charge of other people the way that I thought Mm -hmm. or like be responsible for other people. Like being a CEO, that's terrifying. Like my decisions would affect, I don't like, I want that kind of pressure. Um, I would like to be in control of my own destiny, but not, I don't need to be in control of other people. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, it's fascinating how much these all bring up. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know that's why we started this podcast in the first place. But it's been a hot minute, so again, programming note, we haven't recorded in a um, almost our, a month. Yeah, with holidays. Yeah, De- December when you're a real estate attorney is um, insane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we haven't had a chance to dig into some of these conversations mm-hmm. in a while. It's, it's just, sort of like building up as yeah. we think about them separately. So been percolating, and also this is again one of those books where like stuff happens, but like nothing like major happens aside from like Marianne. So, growing as a, a person. But. I was thinking about that too. I was like, oh God. So it's a, this is like the fourth book in a row where we're like, there's not super duper plot heavy. And I'm beginning to to think that that's um, 
the feature, not a bug. Mm-hmm. Like, that we get to it – because obviously this podcast is going to evolve as we continue and go on to this. I hope, for the love of God, that we're not in the exact same place as we are 30 books from now, 50 right. books from now. Um, and I, I think we get to start embracing that idea, too, that, like, there's one board, sort of main big idea. Mm-hmm. It's not really, like, let's talk through the beats of, all, of like, right. this plot, but, like – what's the one idea this book wants to tackle and what are the offshoots of that? So like this book is clearly wanting to tackle maturity through the lens of romantic relationships. Right. That's really what this one is about. And all of their um, various plot lines really have to do with how you interact with the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they even, so let's dig into that because there's some not great gender stuff. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Um, that is very reductive. So um, let's break it down a little bit more. Let, let's talk about how the Logan and Marianne relationship develops a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's start from there? Okay. Yeah. I mean, so Logan is a new student, so he doesn't really know anyone. Although by the time the girls actually meet him, aside from Stacey, who is homeroom and like English with him, like he's already got this group of friends, which is sort of an interesting like counterpoint to Marianne who's like had the same best friend for her entire life and like has these friends and only just now made like her new best new second best friend Dawn but that was because she was forced to because she had no friends whereas like Logan just started here and he's already got this like group of guys that is clearly like his friends so uh, do you think some of that is boys because I definitely saw that with boys being less um gatekeepery especially at that age that's true um, yeah it's like oh you like football i like football i like let's talk or like yeah hey you seem cool let's just say it's not like you don't really have to worry as much and obviously we don't really know because we're not boys. boys we didn't have the same experience but like yeah it definitely seemed like when you were a girl and like 10 or whatever it's like you had to make sure that like everything was like right with this other person and you had the right connection and it, like there are definitely i remember even at that age being like Oh, I can't sit there unless they ask me to. Right. Um, you, we got much more, like, in our own heads, I think. Yes. Well, At least and- I know I personally did. Obviously can't speak for all girls at, you know, 10 years old or whatever. And I was always I, – I think we've mentioned this before as we've gone through, but both of us, I think in particular, were always well-liked um, but not popular, mm-hmm. not like – the rulers of the school. I just sort of got along with everybody yeah. and hung out. I didn't really have I, – I mean, my clique was the theater nerds, but I just sort of – I could easily navigate and would go to events with, like, other groups. Right. Um, so I can't really speak to – I didn't really participate in any of that popularity BS. Right. Yeah, it's like I, I knew who, like, the quote-unquote popular kids were, but, like – I knew that I was not one of those, but, like, I didn't really care. I mean, I'm sure yeah. – I'm sure I cared – because, you know, when you're 15, everything and, is, you know, like a big it, it's deal. dramatic. It, it yeah. just was. So like, I know, I'm sure that I cared, but like, I didn't, I wasn't going to like try to change anything. I was like, I'm, I'm good with where I am. Like, I, maybe I wish I was more popular, or, like more boys liked me, more bo- boys liked me. <laughs> yes. But I was not. And it also feels a little different because coming from an all girls school, there oh, was that's just true. not that level. Like we, yes, we had popular girls, but it wasn't, they, it was different. They weren't the popular girls. They were the cool girls. Mm. Um, it was a different thing because they, I was like, they didn't really like, I we, I just saw Mean Girls, the musical, uh, last week. Kate's seeing it this afternoon mm-hmm. after we finished recording. We were talking briefly about it beforehand and um, I, we didn't have like a Regina George who no. was like putting people into place. 
they they weren't bothered with that. They were just like cool, like above it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that is very different for girls versus boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I never identified. So to be fair, I've never been the new kid in school. I went right. to the same grade yeah, school for like eight years, and then I went to high school where. Granted, it was only a couple of us who, from my grade school, who, who went on to my high school. Most of the girls went to the other girls' school. Mm-hmm. But everybody was starting new. Right. Like, so most people had some people, but not... Right, but, like, on... it's not... Like, since I went to public school, I, I went to the same school district. We lived there my whole life. Yeah. So, so... I, I was in the 13-year club my senior year, because, like, I went from kindergarten through senior year in the same school district. Um. So, yeah, I've never had this experience. But in my experience of not of welcoming new kids um it's never bad like mm-hmm. everybody's excited about a new kid and they want to learn right about the like it's fresh blood yeah. like i've been with these same people for exactly. forever fresh meat um so I, I i was always sort of baffled by all the media that's like it's really tough being a new kid in school because i was like i think it'd be awesome you get to reinvent yourself a little bit everybody wants to know you and who you are yeah i always had I guess that sort of grass is always greener right. mentality. Well, but- and I I do think like you and I, if we went through the same new kid situation, would have had very different feelings about it. Very, very fair. I did not really take into account how much of that was personality driven, yes. where the idea of <laughs> meeting a whole bunch of new people is thrilling and exciting. Right. Yes. I I would have been like the stereotypical like you know Eat in the bathroom. a movie like oh Jesus what's happening I don't want to deal with this like. Well, because especially, and this is a, a tangent, which I don't, since I, I've i never actually done it, so I don't know, but like, usually when you're starting in a new school, it's because you have moved to a new town. So you're not, it's not only that you're starting a new school, it's like you- Very true. Because like, if someone started at, you know, your school in Cincinnati, like, they probably already lived in Cincinnati. So That's true. Their, their only new thing was- the new school, as opposed to a new life, basically. That's very true, and that's very overwhelming. And I, we moved when I was five, so it was before right. I started school, like kindergarten. So when I started kindergarten, it was, it was all new, new, new town. Right, exactly. But I was also, five but you were five, and, like, and you didn't have like, a, I wasn't leaving anything. It was right. going to be new, whether it was in Toledo or in exactly. Cincinnati. To that point, my experience had been like some neighborhood kids, like my. And then family, because right. I have a bazillion cousins and, like, all the socialization you require, be raised Catholic, because <laughs> you just got a million of people around all the time. Um, so that was that was sort of a, a, the thing. But I don't know how much of it is gendered in, in the case of this book and how much of it is just Logan is kind of a Mary Sue. He's and 100% a Mary Sue. Just per- except a condescending Mary Sue. We'll get to that, but... Um, I thought I he was kind of condescending to Marianne a couple of times. I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't, I did not have that feeling reading this, but maybe I just glossed over it. Well, we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, we're, we haven't even gotten into them meeting yet. Yes. But, Which um, we probably should do because we're already like 35 minutes into yeah. this episode and if we're going to talk about the book, we should talk about the book. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, at least our tangents this time have been on point with things that the right. book brought up and not just random. N- yes. Um, so... Anyway, he's having a really easy time fitting in. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also seems in, supremely confident. Like, even right, other, he just butts into their conversation about needing help babysitting. Right? And like, even the other boys are impressed with that. Yeah. Like, the other boys are like, woo, Logan, talking yeah. to the girls. I I think um, it can be easy to forget, especially I knew back then. I never thought it was hard for boys to come talk 
to girls. It was right. just terrifying for girls to go talk to boys. Right. Me as a girl to go talk to a boy. I think it's easy to forget it's just as confusing right. on both sides, which is why I really like how they did some of that with Logan in this about mm-hmm. like he's confident enough to go up and be like, I babysit. But then, so what happens? They bring him into the club and things get weird. Yeah. So they want him to come to a meeting just to see what it's all about. Like they're like, hey, come to our meeting tonight. You can check it out. Um, but they're the five girls are having a normal meeting and talking about things that they would talk about with their girlfriends. And, you know, uh, Claudia is telling a story about uh, Pete Black taking Dorian Wallingford to the movies. My girl, Dorian. Reaching around and snapping her bra strap, which, side note, why do that to a girl you're, like, on a date with? Oh, I I vividly remember that was a whole Uh, fad. But she's telling the story, and she gets to the part where she's about to say bra strap and, like, gets flustered and is like, I can't say bra strap. And then later, Logan is talking about being at that meeting and being like, and then Claudia told that story about and like trails off because he doesn't want to say bra strap either. Even though nobody says bra strap, strap. they all know what is going to be said and no one wants to say it. And just like completely shuts down. Like they they said the whole room got like silent and everybody got red. And then later Logan tells the story and uh, clearly something to do with poop. Right. And uh, like a a kid pooping, obviously. Like uh, Like telling bad bad babysitting stories. Bad babysitting stories. And he like, Goes, oh God, I'm going to have to say the word poop in front of them. And just like, I can't tell you what happened in that bathroom. (laughs) Forget I started this story. He literally says, I can't tell you what happened in that bathroom. Or I can't tell you that. Yeah, exactly. Um, So it's just interesting. And Marianne, Marianne does take the initiative to like clear off space on the floor next to her. So Logan will sit next to her. But then she doesn't talk to him at all. She drops the popcorn when he offers it to her to have some. And it's like, she's trying, but like. Not really. Like, she's like, I'm, I'm doing something because I want to be near him because I have a crush on him. But, like, I don't want to take any active steps to engage with him because I don't know what to do. So I I don't know how much of this is my personality and how much of this is gender and how much of this is all, like, mixed in together. Mm-hmm. But I remember um, as a, a young girl reading this and I think some of my um, frustration with Marianne was envy mm. um, because – there is a perpetuated idea that the the shy, sweet, demure girl is the one that boys are interested in because right. she's mysterious or, or, you know, gender conforming to stereotypical roles. Right. And I, clearly, <laughs> am not and have never been mm-hmm. that girl. And um, I know there are plenty of versions of romantic comedies where it's the sassy, brassy, what, like, I get my, I've got plenty of representation about that side of the personality, but this was one of my first real pop Mm -hmm. culture, like I said, so my very first introduction to this, like, shipping conversation, of which I am still a big proponent, Uh, not to a Supernatural fan degree, which, no shade to them, I... Like the show Supernatural? Yes. The Supernatural fan community is, like, more robust and um, debatey and loving than Buffy was back in the day. Like, the discourse around Supernatural is really intense, particularly around – there's some shipping between um, Cass and Dean, and there's conversation about whether – how much the readers are complicit in in queer baiting. Right. Um, how much are they going to – are they actually going to go there? It's the final season. Everybody's sort of on edge. I've, I haven't watched in a number of years. Okay. I've never watched it, so. Um, it still pops up on my in my Twitter feed a lot, yeah. a lot of that discourse, because it's the same kind of nerd groups of shit that right. I'm into. Um, but there's a lot, like, 
I'm fascinated how this is going to play out because it's kind of a damned if they do, damned if they don't thing. Like, right. there's no, it's all subtext, some, like, the, like hints to it over the years mm-hmm. that, again, could feel like representation, but But they're not baby. actually going there, so yeah. it's not really representation. So I, I saw the best quote about the the gay moment in Star Wars, the best tweet, I, I retweeted it this morning. They said, great, you have a gay couple in your movie, now put them in the story. Right. And that's exactly the type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to make hints to right. it, but not actually go yeah. there. Right. It's like, it exists. We acknowledge that that gay people exist in Star Wars, but we are not going to focus on them or really tell their story in any way, shape, or form. They yeah. just happen to be there. And right. you see them kiss, but like, are they married? Have they never met? Is right. This like are a they just excited? This, right. Like, are they bi? Are they gay? Are they? Right. Are they? Who? Who are? They? I mean, one of the characters was in the Last Jedi, and I don't know what her she, name. is. I was is. just gonna say, I'm pretty sure she's an unnamed character who is whose sole role seems to be announcing when someone new is in charge. Pretty much. <laughs> um, which, and she does it well. She, I mean, especially the whole the way she acted, the whole Leia. It's a good thing this is coming out. Yes. Yeah, so we can talk about it now because this it's isn't going to be, be posted for like two months. Two months. <laughs> so when I just had a momentarily like, oh god, and yeah, then, it's we'll be fine. Um, if you have not seen The Rise of Skywalker yet, you might want to skip, skip ahead. ahead. I don't know. I mean, we're probably not going to talk about it that much. No, the, the, but, this is the end of the the, the point was just yes, that, that queer baiting, that shipping. Which, um, side note, I guess I didn't realize I was a Raylo shipper. I thought I was ironically using that hashtag. And, and then, then I was like, oh my God, no, I am in- so into this. <laughs> so I, that is so funny to me because I am such a shipper in real life. Like, and, and all about the problematic faves. Like, yeah. I am a hardcore Spike Buffy shipper. I have been mm-hmm. since I was a teenager. I still am. I mean, again, I'm not, like, posting theories on Twitter right. or anything, but I still read the occasional yeah. fanfic. Support and, like, it 100%. Yeah. I'm totally, totally down with it. Um, so I, I was very much a part of that world. So that would should be absolute catnip for me. And for whatever reason, I just didn't get into it the way that um, I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And then that moment happened, and I was yeah. like, hmm, I think I liked this more than I thought I did. I think I liked it more I, – I don't think I was really a Raylo shipper when he was Kylo Ren. I think it's because, because he's he was ben, ben Solo. You're a Ben shipper. I'm, well, but – so Raylo so, still works, though, because Solo – Yeah, you're right. Ray, you're Solo, right. get it? Um, um, except um, then she made herself a Skywalker, so now she's kind of his – Stepsister? Well, he's a Skywalker. That's So right. it, it's sort of like she that's took what I mean. his name. Well, that's what... Oh, married-wise. I was thinking... I got it. I went right to the incest. The proud... Oh, <laughs> proud history of <laughs> uh, problematic, problematic relationships in, in Star Wars. Um, wow. We just cannot stay on, t- on topic yes. today. But in any case, this ship um, was, was my first, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, because this carries through. Yes. I mean, I, I don't recall them ever not being... I'm pretty sure they... I remember them breaking up at one point, I think, because I remember, like, rooting for them to get back together. Oh, okay. And the, you know what's so funny is the only reason I'm remembering that is because when I was reading the Outlander series, mm. and we knew Claire was going to get back to Jamie somehow, and I, I'm, like, reading fervently, like, wait, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? And I remember... I re- was like, oh, I remember this feeling, and I'm pretty sure... It was Logan and Marianne. I think oh, that they had, like broken okay. up, and I like you're like they're, they're they're obviously going to get, get back together. together. And I kept like reading the books, like is this going to be the right, one? Is, is this, this going to be the one? Yeah, um, that makes sense. I don't know if that's true or not. We'll find as we're finding out. Some of our productions 
right on the mark. Some of them, mainly mine, a <laughs> little left field. A little out of left um, field. But I do remember this long term. You know what's so funny, though, is we've talked about Koki a, a, a number of times. She still has not made an experience. I know. Dorian Wallingford, my so girl. So many times. All the time. Koki Mason, not n- yet. N- not to be seen. I wonder if she, like, moves to Stony Brook or something. Oh, and then she's mean girl, she, new That's girl, why she's like, mean. Throws a wrench in that hole. Right. Ooh, interesting. Because, yeah, you would think if she was such a mean girl, there would have been a... Right. She would have been referenced. At least referenced. Even if we don't actually, like, meet her. Yeah. Something would have been... I mean, because, like, we've got the cast of, like, side characters that are referenced and show up, like Alan Gray or yeah. Trevor Sanborn or the Shillaber twins. The like Pete Black. There, there are yeah. other kids that they go to school with that are referenced and come to these parties and are at dances and that sort of thing. But, like... So if if Koki was around, I feel like they would have mentioned her. Although it could also just be they didn't think about needing a mean girl, so they didn't plant the seeds yet. Fair. So it might just be that they reference her and it's sort of like right cons, like, oh, oh yeah. Koki's been mean since we were in fifth grade or whatever. And it's like, okay, but you also didn't mention her for how many, you know, well, how months. many books? Yeah. <laughs> uh, or the whole seventh grade year for that matter. Right. You would think that if she was that much of an antagonist, she would have been way on board with the whole babysitter's agency right. thing and like ring leading some of that. Or right. Getting- well, so like in the world of the books, like in, in the, the babysitter's club universe, like, yes, that is true. But like if Anna Martin didn't the, think, think the, about the, having her be around. Oh yes. That's what I mean. Yeah. That like. That's the kind of thing so, that, yeah. like, she would have absolutely been a part right. of if, if, if she's not a new girl. If Anna Martin had known to make that character and have her be around at that point, she 100% would have been involved in the Babysitter's Agency. Absolutely. Which I also kind of feel like it's probably good that she wasn't, because I feel like those girls were a little extreme. And as much as I rag on Koki and call her a sociopath, like, she's not... She's pretty harmless. She's pretty harmless. Well, she gets a little weird in... in um. Christie's Mystery Admirer, which, like, I, I mean, I love that book. I I've said it so many times. Because I have I, zero recollection I feel of like it. you're going to be, like, so, like, underwhelmed. underwhelmed. You're going to be like, that's your favorite. <laughs> well, be, to be fair, that's kind of how I always am. I get myself all hyped up that's about true. stuff, and then I'm like, oh. Yeah. Um, speaking of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, enough shade there. Um, so, th- the point being that... I even reading it now, so with less emotional trauma—not trauma, but a less emotional residue around it—it's mm-hmm. um, still a little like there's that trope of you know the shy girl, whatever. That's interesting to me because I really genuinely don't understand why Logan is interested in her. I mean, she's <laughs> other than her being Ouch. cute. No, but I mean, he like keeps trying to talk to her and she doesn't right. respond. She's like why very is he like keeps, non-responsive. I understand him being. Being like, oh, she's cute. She's pretty. She seems interesting. But then she doesn't engage in any way. She so performs. why does he keep pursuing? Right. Well, cause, right, because it's like they don't have conversation. Basically, until her party, yeah, until Stacy's party that has her birthday stuff, she doesn't really have a real conversation. Like he asks her a question and she answers it, and then she doesn't ask him the same question. She doesn't ask him any questions. It's like a very one-sided conversation. Yes. It's like he's in- interviewing her and then or he interrogating calls her. her and like. Relays the plot of a movie for 10 minutes because that's how long she's allowed on the phone. Right. Because she doesn't, she can't think think, of anything to say. Yeah. So she's like, oh, yes, please tell me about that movie that you told me I should watch. Yeah. Why don't you just have a conversation and then watch the movie and then you can talk to him about that tomorrow? Exactly. Um, So, I mean, I understand, again, that it's modeling behavior for young girls. It's making it okay. It's, it's, isn't that so relatable? She can't think of things. And you know what? Even as an outgoing girl, when it came to boys, I was immediately like, 
Yeah. Well, and I think that's something interesting that Marianne says at the beginning of this book when she's talking about her time with Alex in Sea City. Sun City. Sea City. Sea City. Yes. Yes. (laughs) No, I'm like, wait. Jersey Um, Shore. but, But she's basically says, like, I never realized that you... You could just talk to boys the way you yes. talk to girls. And so I think it's interesting that she had that revelation, but then didn't actually use, you know, like, it's not like mm-hmm. Logan is the first boy she's ever talked to in a romantic way. Exactly. So it's like... They exchange rings. Right. Like, like she has this, like, again, it's a little bit of the, like, backsliding that we've had in a few yeah. other books, but it's, she at least has the realization, like, you can talk to boys. You don't, they, they're they're the same. Like, yeah. y- y- it's just a conversation with a human being, regardless of whether you're interested in them romantically or not. Like, just talk to them. Yeah. And so I think that it it's nice that she finally gets back to that place by the end of the book. Agreed. But it, it takes a while to get there. And it is a little bit like, come on, girl. Like, what are you it doing? It just feels like, especially as a 13-year-old boy, I can't see them trying that right. part like sticking around for that long like you're well, not getting anything from yeah, someone and, like i mean it, it really goes back to like he's like the best possible version of a 13 year old boy yes. imaginable because he's he's and at the party when he's like i like you like he's very upfront and like honest and yes nice and focused that's, and like that's where i thought um oh she even says it in this one this is um She's referring to C-City. She said, then I realized you can talk to a boy the same way you talk to a girl, just like you said. Mm-hmm. But the the next part is what killed me. You just have to choose your topics more carefully. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Obviously, with a boy, you can't talk about bras or cute guys you see on TV. But you can talk about school and movies and animals and sports, if you know anything about sports. Oh, boy. And I was like, gender roles. Right. But I do vividly remember at 13 being like, there are some topics you just right. can't talk about boys with and, or because it would make me like want it like the idea of the bra strap makes logan want to die as much as they do exactly um but it's just that idea you have to pick your topics carefully <laughs> right um where was the i'm gonna find it well because it was something that um logan said to her when he's having that conversation that that really struck me as um sort of condescending. And again, I'm sure it's probably my, yeah. my nonsense. I mean, there is... So, Logan calls her, like, every day. And then yes. she finally calls him. And he's a little bit like, see, you can call me too. or what? And it was a little bit like... That's what it was. Yeah. I, I can understand. Because, yeah, I was a little bit like, okay, buddy. Like, you clearly like her. You know what she's like. So you can't be, like, obnoxious about, oh, you finally called me. Like, that's chill out. This is where it says... Um, after last night, I thought we were through. This is after the party when she runs away. Yes. Um, and no one comes after her or calls her. So she thinks that everyone hates her. And she, I think she even says at one point, like, I guess my friends are done with me now. And it's like, yes, oh, God. Like, so dramatic. But, like, they all thought that she was angry because she left and didn't reach out to them. And so I, it's like a misunderstanding on both sides. Which was real. And they do handle it really well. Yeah. But, and I, 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 I get to examine whether this is about because it's, a male-female relationship, romantic relationship, and if it had been Stacy or Christy that said it to her. Anyway, here's what he said. I thought we were through. I really didn't think this could work out between us. But you took the first step and called me, and I know that wasn't easy. Um, Yeah. To me, felt very much like, good for you. You did the right thing. Yeah. I'm Um, I'm glad you were able to find the strength to be be an adult, or not that that she's an adult, but like... It just felt very, like... Good job for trying. Yeah. Like, I could have reached out to you and said, 
I'm sorry as well. And instead, no, but it's your job to right. cater to my emotions. Yeah, again, that's true. I don't know how much of that is me bringing my own shit in there. And so I know we haven't really, we've sort of alluded it to it a couple of times. We haven't really talked about it too much. And I don't want to make this the time we get into it. But I know I said in our initial, um, like, intro that we're, we're both straight, cisgender females. And I, at that point, had not come out as queer, as bi, to um, everybody. So I was playing it anybody. that way. Anybody, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I didn't talk about it at that point. And then I, it, subsequently, before we started doing it, I had mm-hmm. come out. And I am now comfortable, like, just talking about it openly. And so I've mentioned a couple of things on here. Um, but I one of the ways that um, – one of the things that I really struggled with when coming to terms with my sexuality was that whole – I always felt weird about how gendered – and performative some of those like mm-hmm. ways that you're supposed to be in a relationship and i knew that the models of relationships that i often saw on television as much as problematic faves and whatever didn't feel quite right i like sort of chafed against them so i don't know how much of that is my own mm-hmm. stuff and how much of it is is else so I, I that's why i love getting your opinion on it i love the fact that we now have Listeners who are emailing us mm-hmm. and telling us your opinions, I, I we love to hear from you guys. They really yeah. do bring up a lot of conversations. We've had amazing conversations based mm-hmm. on um, responses that we've gotten through Instagram and, and Gmail and things, and that's been really fun. So I, I love to hear how everybody else interacts with this mm-hmm. because I, it's really fascinating for me to go back to this as my foundational, like, right. rooting for a ship and see how that has extrapolated out over the past 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I I think I I mean I I definitely did have the same kind of reaction and I don't know. I don't I'm sure that I didn't have this reaction at back the time at no, the time sure. obviously because I would not have even been thinking about it. Um but as you were talking, I almost feel like this is another version of um sort of teach like a teachable moment and I don't necessarily think that it's because it's a boy that she likes. I think it was and it does sort of come across that way, and I can understand why people would take that position and feel the way that you do it. And it does feel a little bit like, okay, come on, buddy. Like, you could have called her too. Yeah. But because we are using the girls as, you know, stand-ins for us, and we're supposed mm-hmm. to be learning from them. Absolutely. It's a way, and I think it could have been the exact same conversation if Stacy said it to her. I agree. Because, because it's what- more like, if you are in a fight with someone and you want to resolve it, it, reach out to them. They might not be. They not, might not have the strength or feel like they're in the right place to reach out to you. So if you want to try to mend fences, if you want to try to build that relationship back up, reach out. Yeah. So I that that was more what I took away from it is like, yes, it's Logan saying it, so it adds like a different dimension. But it's more just like because they're only thirteen years old. It's not. Mm-hmm. It, it's romantic, but like th- it's, it's very, basically it's like the most platonic romantic. It's basically relationship like in the world. An, a step above. Friends, yeah. like it, it, you call them your boyfriend, but like you're 13. You're not at least these types of 13 year olds. I know that there are different maturities, different yes. life experiences, but, but these this, girls are not doing. They they have asexual, a, a chaste kiss maybe, but Logan and Marianne don't kiss at all in this book. I'm sure yeah. that they kiss at some point. Stacy got her first kick, kiss in Sea City in the Tunnel of Love. Like the, these are not. It's not the same as if they were in college and Logan. You know, if it was, you know, Dawson's Creek or something. If it was speaking of Logan, because this sounds very much like something Logan would say to Rory. Right. And, and it like would. Gilmore Girls, and I would infuriate me. Because yeah. Logan, 
needs to be punched in the face. Exactly. So it, I think it comes across differently. I feel like it's more of a teachable moment as like a friendship thing. You're right. As opposed to a just, relationship thing. But from the other perspective, it is Logan saying it, not Stacey. It, I was going to say, it. I absolutely agree, teachable moment, 100%. Yeah. I think I would have zero problem with it if it came from Stacey. Although, I doesn't Stacy say something similar? I thought Stacy just said um, that uh, she was... I, I thought you were mad at me, too. I thought it was way less fraught, and it was more just... Well, and she... Stacy mumbled, I guess you're wondering why I haven't called. So, I, I think we're sort of seeing both sides of the other side, sort yes. of. Like, Logan being like, I'm glad that you did this. I know it was hard for you. And Stacy being like, sort of, you know humbled i guess yes. or like taking a more like which i guess you know what it's it's i was like well then that they should have just put that in stacy's mouth but at the same time it makes sense because stacy was the one responsible for it logan wasn't right. responsible for the situation so it makes sense that he would feel less guilty right have exactly. less guilt so i'm i'm you're talking me down i'm talking <laughs> myself down no um, but i mean i do think it's a, an important thing to evaluate and as we're reading have these kinds of conversations because it it does because it's like we've been saying because it's a romantic type relationship it comes across differently even if it is supposed to be just a teachable moment yeah there there's different dynamics at play so it it raises issues that might not otherwise be raised i think it's interesting too and i i think this is sort of the, the end of the logan and marianne conversation but i i think it's interesting too that they um uh whoa where did it go my brain just completely dumped it because i thought of how it went oh that's where it went um the idea of marianne's definition of what being in love is versus stacy's luv love like she she's like oh is it just talking is this what real love is like right um because oh because they used to talk about it wasn't stacy but she she mentioned stacy once but then um, when Dawn, it, that's what it was. It was when Dawn and Christy. Right. Which, were, side note, Christy calls Dawn to hang out while she's babysitting. And it's, I was like, oh my God, Dawn and Christy are hanging out. Like, I've, obviously, Marianne was busy doing something with Logan or babysitting or something. But, like, the fact that Christy was like, I want to hang out with someone. Dawn, come over. Yep. And also, <laughs> well, we can get back to your topic in one second. The fact that they have graham crackers as a snack because, yes! because Dawn, I have to find the actual quote. I have, oh, it's so have, perfect. Okay. I highlighted that then one. Then Christy and Dawn were retreated to the couch where they were sprawled out with a box of graham crackers, one of the few snack foods they'll both eat, since Christy considers graham crackers semi-junk food and Don considers them semi-health food. And you know what? Yep. That is 100% graham crackers. That's why we had graham crackers. Pretzels. Yes. Pretzels were very much the same way in my house. Yeah. Because my mom is very much that same. Um, Like, we considered it snacky enough and she was like, it's healthy enough. It's healthy enough. Right. Exactly. Like, that middle ground. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're hanging out and they start talking about relationships and all of that. And I think they talk about Claudia and Trevor. Yeah, how it's different for Marianne. Marianne seems more serious about it. Yeah. Well, and I think they also say, like, Claudia seemed like she liked oh. the idea of a relationship with Trevor more than she actually liked Trevor himself. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, that was the other one. I knew there was another time that Logan seemed condescending to me. And it was about that idea of being serious where she was it, it wasn't about as much about her but he says something along the lines of you're not like other girls you take things seriously and yeah. i'm like oh not like other girls come on and i again that is a very modern perspective right for, to but it, it has absolutely colored 
how I view this, what I really had an idealistic version of this right. relationship in my head. But since that's, it was a perfect transition because we were talking about, I, I feel like we've sort of gone where we can go with yes. Logan and Marianne. Yeah. But it's probably about time to wrap up. Um, my favorite random combo of, of Claudia and Christy, um, what that idea that Christy felt really left out and how mm-hmm. romantic relationships can 100% do that. And I absolutely was a Christy. And, like I said, and um, I did have a friend who was way more into boys than me and constantly had boyfriends. And I always felt a little like, how does that? And I didn't. I didn't have none. I had some like I got married in the third grade right. and I dated somebody in the fourth grade. But like I'm more thinking was as I got older, mm-hmm. once I got into junior high, I became less interested in that right. whole like what it was evolving into. But I did feel like Christy, where she's like, am I being left behind? Am I, is something wrong with me for not... Right. And she also is the last one that doesn't have a bra. So yeah. she's feeling like she's not developed enough in multiple ways, which is a tough place to be in. She's calling herself baby. She's, yeah. she, and even more um, interesting, and I, I felt this, is she's really questioning her identity mm-hmm. within the group because she says, I was always the brave one and Marianne was always the scaredy cat. And now... If Marianne is brave without me, does that mean she doesn't need me? Yeah. Like, when you define yourself in relation to someone else, um, whether it's a best friend, whether it's a part, romantic partner, a husband, a wife, a whatever, um, and then that relationship changes, that mm-hmm. can be terrifying. Right. Um, I, I mean, I do that with my job, right? You define yourself in relation to something else, and then that other thing shifts, mm-hmm. and you're left like... Right. What's what, happening What does here? that mean for and who I am? It's so fascinating that that's a, a dynamic that's happening at 13 for them that mm-hmm. is now like a big, a very grown up way of viewing the world. So I, that just struck me. Um, yeah. So wrapping up stuff. Um, there was a, a number of fashion things in yes, here. Yes. I'll, I'll go through the outfits that all of them wear to the dance. Oh, yes. So um, Claudia picked out a skirt. So the girls all go shopping for a new outfit for the dance. So they're all helping her. So Claudia handed Marianne a full white skirt with the words Paris, Rome, and London and sketchy pink and blue pictures of the Eiffel Tower, the Tower Bridge, and other stuff scrawled all over it. She matched it up with a pink shirt and a baggy pink sweater. I would never, ever have tried on that skirt, but with the shirt and sweater, it looked really cool. In the shoe department, we found white slip-ons with pink and blue edging that matched the pink and blue in the skirt. I'd never have looked twice at those shoes either, but with the rest of the outfit, they were perfect. That sounds terrifying it does i do, and a lot i love the idea though of of describing fashion like that that it's not just about like knowing how to pick the right clothes it's about how you put it together mm-hmm. like I, I love that that's the perspective that we take with claudia that it's not like she's going for designer stuff it's just right. that she has an, an eye for she how can things, put things together put in a together good way. Uh, that because so, my sister is very much the same way and that's what it, she reminded i felt very much like jordan or I felt like Claudia was her Jordan in that moment. Mm. Um, so the rest of the girls at the dance. Uh, yes. Claudia was wearing short, tight-fitting black pants and a big white shirt that said Bebop all over it in between pictures of rock and roll dancers. She had fixed a floppy blue a, flop, a floppy blue bow in her hair. Stacy was wearing a white t-shirt under a hot pink jumpsuit. Don and Christy looked more casual. Don was wearing a green and white oversized sweater and stretchy green pants. Christy was wearing a white turtleneck shirt under a pink sweater with jeans. We just couldn't get, seem to get her out of blue jeans. Good. I know that was so... Yeah. Christy, my girl. Yeah. That is literally my grandpa at one point when I was a kid. Um, other way, I was very much a girly girl. He 
tried to bribe me with dolls to like put on overalls or something because <laughs> he loved to garden. He wanted me to right. be out there, and I was in like pink pedophores and like oh boy. So you're Jenny Preziosa. I, I was is what Jen- I'm yes. <laughs> Shit. But it was your choice, not your mom forcing you into these options. I don't know. By the, by the last couple of times we've seen Jenny Prezioso, she's been pretty adamant about her dresses as well. That is she's true. She's internalizing some of her mom's BS. Very true. Um, I found the other Logan line that annoyed me. Um, it's sometimes that you're only too, you're too sensitive. I wasn't really sure things would work out between us. I'm like, ugh. Don't call somebody too sensitive. That's mean. I don't care. And that's less boy, girl. That's more anybody. Yes. I have a trick. That's one of my trigger things is anytime you belittle someone for their emotions, not okay. Yes. Agreed. Um, well, sorry. That was a total side note. because, But it made me think of it because I w- was like, um, I couldn't remember if she switched things up. But no, she wears the exact same outfit to the dance that she does to her birthday party, right? Yes. Because it's her best looking outfit, which I totally understand. I do too. You know, it's like if you have that one outfit and it's like, oh, I have another event, I'm just going to wear it. I know. I love this outfit. I'm going to wear this outfit. I was like, I felt that so much and I was like, it'd be really interesting. I I thought it was interesting that neither Claudia nor Stacey commented. I felt like one of them would have been like, you're wearing that again? I don't think that they would. You don't think so? No, because I think they know what Marion has in her closet. That's and they true. know how much she loves that outfit. So. That's a good point. But I do. We do all have those, like... Yeah. Go-tos. That you feel really good in it, so you're like... Do you think anyone will remember? And here's the thing. I guess it was the dance that threw me. Because I don't know that I re-wear something that I'd wear to a dance, but I guess their dances feel far more like mixers than Yeah, it's more dances. casual. It's a middle school dance, not a high school dance. Fair point. Fair point. I mean, Christy was wearing jeans and a turtleneck, so that gives you a sense of how dressy it was. Well, to be fair, I would not be surprised if 16-year-old Christy showed up in, like, nice jeans, but she absolutely has the energy of someone who would wear a pantsuit to prom. I mean, she was super into her bridesmaid dress, though. That's fair. I, I did like how Marianne, when she's describing how she's into her bridesmaid's dress, she goes, On- she loved it. Honest. As mm-hmm. if we thought she was right. lying. And no, like, That's she so totally cute. did. I thought that was adorable. Yes. I understand how objectively weird this sounds, but it's totally true. <laughs> and I love that we already have that relationship with the books. That, yes. Like, they trust that if you didn't read that one, because that was our reaction in that book. We were like, really? Yeah. Um, and if, if we hadn't read that and just had read this. Right. It'd be like, seriously? And so that's honest, why she say honest. It's which true. I love. Yeah. Um, the one thing in this book that I had, like, a, a like vivid reaction memory oh, yeah. of. Um, so at the party... Uh, Christy brings Alan Gray as her date because he's like her go-to. Yeah, he, he's like I, he's I, have to, I have to bring a boy, so I might as well bring Alan Gray because he's okay. She goes, he's a pest, but at least I know what to expect. Exactly. But so Marion's describing what's going on at the party, and she says Alan Gray had put yellow M and M's in his eyes and was going around telling the boys he was Little Orphan Annie. That was not a reference that I got then. I mean, objectively, I know what that oh means. Oh my gosh, I got, I do get that reference. I mean. But, like, no one read Little Orphan Annie when we were kids. No, you're right. I don't think I would have gotten it then, but just now right, when I you get said it, it now. Um, and so if you don't, you will – you're not alone. The the old Little Orphan Annie commercial, uh, cartoons, like, Right, the comic way that they strip. drew her eyes was, like, yellow Yo, dots inside black dots. Which is really creepy in yes. hindsight. Um, but I was like, I remember reading this. That's so funny. Um, you know what stood out for me because they it didn't change? The phone number. It started with KL, KL and I yeah. was like, ooh, even in the 80s, that was not really... 
Although I feel like that's more of like an East Coast thing. You think? Even back then. I didn't I didn't know. I, I just thought it was an old timey thing. I didn't know it was regional. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's I mean it's still five five five, so Yeah, well. <laughs> um the the old standard five five five, that's one of my favorite like dumb trivia facts that probably a big chunk of the world does not notice or pay attention to, but five 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 fake number. Yes, exactly. Not real. Any other last-minute thoughts, mm. quotes, comments, concerns? Um, I, well, tying into the maturity theme, I thought it was interesting that um, they showed the uh, the boys' version of being immature too. Like, so Marianne's babyish tendencies to like run away if something goes wrong or if if she's embarrassed. And Justin Forbes is that his name? Um, yeah, he didn't get invited, and he responded by acting out, prank like by prank the calling party. the party. Which it feels that feels very much of a piece to me, like the, how little boys and little girls, mm-hmm. um, we talk about them, and whether or not that's actually true. But like the idea that boys act out for attention, where girls retreat for attention, and um, I am not a child psychologist. I do not know how that all works. But I thought that was a nice um, nod to the fact that the boys are going through their own stuff mm-hmm. too. Exactly. So. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Okay. Um, I love I think... that this one, for such a, a slight book in terms of plot, brought up so much interesting mm-hmm. conversation. Yes, I agree. Um, okay. Well, I guess then, do we have any final club business? Um, other than telling people where to find us. Okay. Well, you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Generation BSC, or you can email us at generationbsc at gmail.com. With that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your friends.